welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I'll be sharing Act 2 of my conversation with the irrepressible Travis Stock. And here in Act 2, Travis discusses the natural tendency to further isolate and, and go it alone when emotional pain is present. And by the way, he also points to the importance of asking for help, which seems counterintuitive and is wildly, wildly important. The story continues with Travis's move to California, with him being thrown to the wolves, as he says, in some of the best possible and most challenging ways. Travis shares his journey to the work he loves best as a coach, lead instructor, and master facilitator for the Institute for Equus Coaching, and dishes on the profound ways working with horses serves as beautiful mirrors of how we show up in our lives, in our leadership, and of course, in our relationships. Good, good stuff. Quick reminder before we dive in here, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Much appreciated. And with that, let's go ahead and take the plunge into Act 2 with Travis Stock. Enjoy. So, Travis Stock, it's a pleasure having you back for part two of our conversation. Well, welcome back. Thanks. We got into so many good stuff in part one. I can't wait to see where this goes now. We did. And 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 picking up from where we left off, you know, with the, the healing that took place with your family and the work that you did, um, I want to ask you another question. You send you back in time again, as we did in part one. This is always uh, fun. I get to time travel with you a yeah, lot. Yeah, you get to time travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do I. And I, I get to be there for, for, for it as well. That, you know, again, if you could, if you could go back and advocate for that younger, the, the late adolescent and young man that you were, you know, knowing what you know now, being where you've been, including doing the, the amazing work that you and your family did, you know, what what would you say to that younger version of yourself now? Mm. Yeah, I think that younger version of myself still had not been, had that sort of appropriate developmental moment of recognizing that my parents are humans too and have their own work. In some ways, mm. I was still living in this ideal around they've got it figured out. Why, why, why are they struggling? They've got this all figured out. I'm the one that's struggling. I'm the only one that's allowed to struggle. And so I think to tell that version, of I, wanna, my, I just want to highlight that that's very big of you. I am the only one who's allowed to struggle. Uh-huh. Well, I think that's, I think that's what happens for most of us when we're in pain is it gets pretty narcissistic and uh, not in the clinical definition version of it, but like we start to really only be able to pay attention to our own pain body. And, and for and at a certain point, in order to relieve that suffering, we do have to turn all our attention there. But yeah. it it is a narrow viewpoint of what's going on, and it was idealistic. And so I, was, I would go back and, and help that version of myself see the humans that are my parents and be able to recognize that they're, they have work to do too. And that actually has nothing to do with me. I made it a lot about me. I made it, I felt victimized a lot of times. Um, and I think I would help myself see that they're humans, they have their own work and it's okay to set a boundary and ask them to go do their portion of their work. 
and I'll, and then for me to be able to tune into my portion of the work, instead of asking to constantly try to do it together when we're all triggered, it didn't work. We tried so many times it just kept digging the hole deeper, digging the hole deeper. And so to, to give myself permission to set some of those boundaries a little bit earlier, but to do it with compassion and recognition that these are human beings who also have struggles. And I can see that now. And I, don't think I gave a lot of grace to that because I was sort of living in that ideal back then. There's a lot of there's a lot of beauty in what you're describing here and 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 all kinds of subtlety and nuance that I'm afraid we don't have time to go into. On the one hand, on the other hand, I, I wanted to follow up with something that you said because on the one hand I joked about it being very big of you and it's really natural. It's one of the things that we do as human beings and it's not just men, by the way, it's not just men. And there's a way that the culture encourages men to, when we're, when we're in experiences of separation, particularly experiences of emotional pain, to, uh, you know, to become, for lack of a better way of, of, of putting it, to become the lone cowboy. You know, which is not helpful. You know, if we in 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 the separate in in a, in, a, in an experience that separates us, when what we most need is connection, if not to other people, then connection to self. And of course, part of the experience of separation is a separation from self. Mm. Um, yeah, it's so important to. You know, the times we, we have been trained to not reach out are the times when we, in so many ways, most need to reach out to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very much leaning into that almost traditional masculine thing of going at it alone, just because of my fear of my own identity. Because, I, because the second I brought somebody else in, that was going to set off a domino effect of things that I couldn't control beyond that. And it was going to prove a, a, my worst fear right. And so, uh, yeah, I did try to go at it alone a lot. Um, and it wasn't until I opened up and asked for help that I started actually learning how to receive, how to belong, how to find connections that were based in all of me, not just parts of me, to learn what boundaries I needed in order to continue my own healing and transformation journey. So. Uh, it was the asking for help that really changed things for me a lot. And the asking for help was the moment of walking into the, the, the professor's office? Yeah, I would say that's the biggest, that was the the key moment that I think of every time that it, from that moment on, things pivoted and shifted in my life. It wasn't easy from that moment on. Right. I was spent a lot of time, hours in her office crying and being afraid. Um, but I also... Uh, it also changed the trajectory of my life from there moving on. Yeah. Do tell. Mm. Say that again? I said, do tell. You said it changed the trajectory of my life. I was like, do oh, tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it did change the tra trajectory of my life. Turns out that person um, really stepped in and offered me some sort of maternal care that I needed at that time became like a friend, a sister, like a mom at some points. And so we spent years sort of 
helping me accept who I was and step into the world and feel safe. Turns out her partner ends up being a well-known life coach in the world. And a several years down the road, while, while I'm working as a child protective services investigator in the Phoenix, Arizona area, struggling on the verge of antidepressant and anti-anxiety meds because their job was so stressful, um, they were moving to California to buy a horse ranch and to do a version of life coaching that involves horses. And they invited me to come along with them. And so I saying yes to walking into that person's office as it played out, changed my life in so many different ways, not just around my coming out process, but about my future career, about my future community, around my future sense of belonging, around my future sense of what I'm going to be as an adult man in this world. So take us into the work. Yeah. So I trained while I was there living on that ranch. I was uh, being sort of like the ranch hand and observe, uh, uh, the, the, the manager of the ranch, um, making sure that um, all of our logistics and the ranch care was taken care of. But we were also hosting uh, workshops, personal development workshops on the property using this version of life coaching that involves horse, horses, which, I, which we call Equus Coaching. Um, and so my job was to make sure our clients got there and they had the catering was there and we had porta potties set up and making sure the logistics were managed. But during that early years of me being there, I was training as a life coach, um, as well as an Equus coach. And so I was getting like 24 seven all the time learning from two powerful mentors in their field and not getting cut a break once, always having my questioning, my limiting beliefs questioned and, I, it was trial by fire, and I really thrived in that. I had never been around horses, really, except for a couple times riding as a kid. And now my job is to care for these horses and to step into this training where I'm taking people into experiences with horses. And so my mentor threw me to the wolves, and I rose to the occasion. I was able to really develop a lot of powerful skills. And as time went on, I started being hired to to help facilitate those workshops, those personal development workshops that we were leading, and sometimes even corporate events that we were leading at that ranch, um, utilizing the Equus coaching skills that I had learned. And that, uh, uh, what what those who are listening can't see is as you as you were describing getting thrown to the wolves, you know, in air quotes, getting thrown to the wolves, and and the twenty four seven having your limited limiting beliefs challenged at every turn. Your 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 face is just lighting up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a phase of my life that I was alive in a different way than I had been previously. It was not easy. It was hard. There were really painful experiences that came yeah. from it. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but I, no matter what, I, if I had the chance to do it again, I would absolutely. It changed the trajectory of my life. And I got to go like live this really cool life that is fun to brag about and fun to say like, not, not everybody gets that kind of adventure in their life where they move to a ranch with a couple of lesbians, a horse whisperer and some horses. And like, you're out there, like making up a profession as you go. Like we, we made this up. Like, this is not something that I went to my master's degree to get. <laughs> this is something that I, that my mentors created and made up and I started to learn. And so now I get to, and I get to see the value of it and offering it to clients. So it is. The, the Equus coaching work that I do is my favorite work. And yeah, I, what, do you, what do you love about it? 
Well, it's experiential. It's in the body. So I love the coaching work that I do that's very verbal. My verbal skills have always been my strength. And so it leans well into my ability to just chat with people. Um, but Equus coaching takes it a different layer. It's experiential. It's relational. So basically the experience is all groundwork. It's not riding a horse. It's not like the traditional ways that we're used to interacting with horses. It's on the ground. I take all the regular control mechanisms away, except for maybe a, a round pen that somebody might be in to sort of shrink the space so that they can interact without the horse fleeing too much. And the person has to start building a relationship with a being that doesn't speak the same language as they do. They have to learn to communicate and to share what inspired actions come up or to share what their boundaries are or what how much closeness they'd like or how how they'd like to lead an activity together, how they'd like to follow. You get to see a, um, a lot of the ways that people build relationships will show up in that relationship building that's happening with the horse. And then we get to have conversations about how is what's showing up in that experience like what's happening in that, in your outside life. And once we do some work on it, they get to re-engage with the horse and see how the, how the relationship they have with themselves, how they're treating themselves, the work we've just done, how that has a different impact on the external environment. Horses are beautiful mirrors and they constantly are responding to what's in their environment. And so you'll get different feedback based on how you show up. And if you are, if something is not working for you, if we do some work and give you some new options and you get to see in real time that the external environment shifts with you, it's super powerful for people. People can't, you can't really unsee that once you've seen it. I hope you're enjoying the second half of my conversation with Travis Stock. Quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do come by my website, cirrusleadership.com. That's Cirrus is in the cloud. And subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's jump back in. And you're now doing this work well, I, I'm sure there was a bit of a slowdown given 2020. On the one mm. hand, on the other hand, you're now doing this work everywhere. You're mm. out and about with it. Yeah, I, I, we were talking before this. I just got back from like five weeks of travel, some of it for to see family um, in sort of our first post-COVID, not that we're through COVID completely, but in our first like ability to gather in a relatively safe way with certain, with small family gatherings. Um, had a little bit of that, but I was also traveling to different parts of the, mostly on the West coast where I was teaching. So not only do I offer this to my clients, but I'm also a lead instructor for the Institute for Equus Coaching, where we teach other coaches to do this work as well. So coaches and therapists who might want to add this element to their practice and be able to bring in the experiential learning element of the engagement with horses. It, it gives, uh, I, I teach people how to do that. And so it's some of my favorite work because I not only get to be a coach, but I get to be a facilitator. I get to be a teacher. It, it brings in, it's, I just got done with four days of teaching students and I left feeling like I like myself even more than before. And there's something really powerful for a little boy who grew up in a lot of shame, um, who felt a lot of shame about himself to come away from a four day thing, never working on anything and yet feeling like he likes himself more. I was like, just going to own that for a little bit that I, yeah. that because that, it, it utilizes all of me. It stretches me to my edges in the, in a really good way, not into like I'm a, a beyond my capacity, but 
it utilizes all of me and it just feels so good to really show up and to offer and to meet people at where their learning journey is and to continue sharing this work that I love so that it can continue rippling out there in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Again, just hearing you. And I, of course I have the benefit of seeing you on screen too, as we're recording this, uh, but, but hearing you and seeing you uh, light up and, and, and just completely come to life as, as you're describing all this is such a gift. Mm. It's downright magical. Thank you I, and, for reflecting that. Yeah, my pleasure. And 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 I'm curious before we close up, um, do, do your do does that inner little boy know? Uh, is 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 he is he hip to to how far you've come? Yeah, a lot of times I am. Uh, not always. Um, I've had this really beautiful experience in my the last probably five years. My brother and I had a really fantastic relationship as little kids. Then we struggled in our teen years and into our early 20s. And my coming out process put us on a new trajectory again. Mm. Um, but the last five years or so, I've gotten the chance to have him reflect sometimes how he sees me. He He's my older brother, and yet he calls me the brave one in the family. Mm -hmm. he, he considers himself not brave because he's been in the same job he doesn't like and lives close to my parents in the same state he grew up. And I've kind of been around. <laughs> I live in a completely different state. I've created my own business. And and he talks about how I'm the brave one and how proud of me he is. And getting that reflection, actually, in those moments where I do kind of slip back into some of my patterns of shame and, and self-doubt and not really feeling like I've done enough, I'm not perfect enough, hearing him be able to reflect that back and seeing myself through his eyes really reorients me back and I've had a couple of experiences with him that like that and some people from my life where I get to see myself through their eyes. And it really, it really reminds me of how much work I've done, how far I've come and, and how much I have to be proud of, even though I'm in sort of like a building phase with my business and trying to create a name and a brand for myself. And um, so, yeah, I, I, many, many moments I am able to see that. And in some moments I still struggle to see it. <laughs> Yeah. Feel free to reach out if you need a reminder. Okay. Yeah, yeah I will. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being that. I, we all need those kind of spaces. We all need oh. those. And I think for me as a, as a gay boy in this world, sometimes it's even more powerful when it comes from another man. Um, when it comes from somebody where I felt early on, like I had failed as a, as a person in the world, like I failed as a man coming into this because I was gay it rewrites the tape to get those sort of mirrors and reflections back from a man, another man who uh, didn't fail in the same way that I had previously thought I failed. And so thank you for the reflection back and being one of those people in my life that can when I forget, because we all forget sometimes. We all forget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen, brother. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap here in a moment and, um, how can people find out? Or of course, we're going to put some links in the in the notes for the shows. And uh, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so easy place to start is my website. It's travisstock.com. That's T-R-A-V-I-S-S-T-O-C-K.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. That's at Travers03. You can also just look up my name. The reason why I point that one out is because I do some of my like marketing around my business and conversations around my business there. 
I also, much like you, host a podcast around masculinity. It's called The New Masculine. It's a podcast dedicated to interrupting um, outdated models of masculinity in service of new ways forward for us as men. And so... Uh, Just pause for a moment. And it's excellent. Carry on. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And you've been a guest, so people should go check out our episode together over there. There you go. Yeah, so um, you can find The New Masculine podcast on all major podcasting platforms. It's also on my website. There's a specific page for it there. Um, but those are static conversations that I'm having with individual men. And and yet my Instagram and social media is where I continue the conversations, allow them to be live, allow the people to continue participating and giving feedback on how the conversations are going or what their work is as relates to listening to the podcast. So uh, those are the best ways to get in touch with me. And they can people can find out uh, how to go about bringing you in to do some of the Equus coaching work, I assume. In those yeah. Places as my, well? web, my website will talk a little bit about that. Um, I provide an individual small group or family work uh, events. And as well as I actually do plenty of nonprofit and corporate work as well, sort of leadership development or team building kind of things um, with the work that I do. And so there's lots of different options for how to bring this Equus work to your to your life. And I'd love to share it with anybody who's interested. It's my favorite, favorite work in the world. And what could be cooler than going out and hanging out with a horse and learning more about yourself? Like, I don't know, maybe I'm biased, but that seems pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Last word, Travis, what do you want or what do you want for the generations of men that come after you? more wholeness. Mm. Um, we, I think we as, what I keep finding is that we as men are taught pretty young, um, what we need to divorce ourselves of in order to be successful as a man. So our emotional lives, our intimate lives, our, uh, freedom of expression, uh, so many pieces of ourselves, we have to let go of those things in order to succeed as a man. And I just don't buy into that anymore. I think in some ways that's inherently harmful and and traumatic to kids to tell them they can't be who they are in order and succeed. And so more wholeness, more emotional awareness, more emotional maturity, more care for those around you, more understanding of not just your intention, but your impact as well. Um, empathy, those kinds of things are are a lot of the things that I'd really like to continue helping men step into in our next iteration. Yeah. Beautiful. Again, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and the good work that you do. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have another conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me, Ken Mossman, your host here on Mojo for the Modern Man and my guest, Travis Stock, for this second half of our conversation. I enjoyed it immensely, and I hope you enjoyed it at least as much as I. If you want to reach out to Travis, best way to do that is through his website, and that is Travis Stock, T-R-A-V-I-S Stock, S-T-O-C-K, TravisStock.com. And of course, you can find him on his socials as well, the links for all of which are in the notes that introduce today's program. Also, if you have not yet, please do come by my website, cirrusleadership.com, C-I-R-R-U-S, leadership, all one word, cirrusleadership.com. I have two cohorts of my flagship I AM, that stands for the Integrated Adult Man course, 
beginning in January of 2022. And depending on when you're hearing this, there are early bird discounts as well as early bird bonuses aplenty to be had. So come on by and check it out. Of course, there's also every episode of Mojo for the Modern Man on my website, on the podcast page of my website as well. Quick shout out of appreciation to my sound editor and composer of the music here on Mojo for the Modern Man, Josh Hines. Thank you, sir. And with that, be well. Make it a great day. I'll see you back here soon on Mojo for the Modern Man.